looking at all that he lost, his son tried to encourage him. His father responded very simply, well, for all these years, I've served God with my eyes. But now for the next set of years, I will serve him without seeing. He did not allow whatever was in front of him to stop him. It just meant he would need to tap in to a new set of resources to do what it is that God called him to do. You see, the power of being able to live transcendently is being able to go with the flow. Of being able to realize that even though something might have been taken from us, God has the ability to restore something new to us. And so the, 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 this founder of the Salvation Army was committed that he would not stop what he was doing. He was just going to have to do it a different way. How many of us have stopped doing what we're doing because we are unwilling to realize that there are more resources God can cause us to tap into? And he realized, ironically, that the way he was able to gain access to God's power was through service. Think about this for a minute. In looking out for himself, what did he do? He went and he helped somebody who had a need. Because all of them were in debt and we don't know what they were juggling. We don't know how they were making ends meet, but what we do know is that when he finished talking with them, they were in a better situation. We learn this principle that when we are going to tap into God's resources, it must not be self-centered. We cannot be effective if we are living self-centered lives. When it seems like the most is taken from us, it's often the time when we want to hold on the most. But it's when God says, let go and help somebody else. It is when you are weakest that it is the time not to sit in a corner and have a pity party, but it is the time to go and to do something for somebody else. You see, stewardship means that we are entrusted with God's resources. And even if we only have a little bit of it left, then the important thing, is that we are using it in a way that will bless others. And as we bless others, we, in, in return, will be blessed. Let me share this with you. When we talk about self-righteous service, that comes through human effort. But true service comes from a relationship with the divine other deep inside. Self-righteous service is impressed with the art of the big deal. But true service finds it's almost impossible to distinguish the small from the large service. Self-righteous service requires external rewards. But true service rests contented in hiddenness. They don't have to be upfront. Self-righteous service is highly concerned about results. But true service is free of the need to calculate results. Self-righteous service picks and chooses whom to serve. 
but true service is indiscriminate in its ministry. Self-righteous service is affected by moods and whims, but true service ministers simply and faithfully because there is a need. Self-righteous service is temporary, but true service is a lifestyle. Self-righteous service is without sensitivity. It insists on meeting the need even when to do so would be destructive. But true service can withhold the service as freely as it performs it. Self-righteous service fractures community, but true service, on the other hand, builds community. You see, what we've got to realize is that when we are at our lowest, it's the time when we must give the most. Give the most of ourselves. Give the most of our time. Give the most of our talents. Give the most of what God has given to us. And when God gives it to us, He will bless us. Because something happens. When we believe in the fact that God is the creator of all things and He owns all things, no matter what we lack, God will supply our needs. And if we truly believe in God, then we truly believe that He is able to provide finances when there are none. We truly believe that God is able to provide provision when there is none. We truly believe that when there is no way, God will make a way, even if He's got to cause the Red Sea to open. George Mueller committed his life to service and serving and working with children. And oftentimes the story is told of the day of when, when a reporter came to look at how he ran the orphanage that was so well known. And they said, he, they, they watched and they observed and they saw in the morning that he called the children together to come for, 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 for breakfast. And the children came and they sat around the table. The table was set, the plates were, were there, but everything was bare. And then he asked the children to say grace. They said grace. But the reporter noted that there was no food. Immediately the reporter questioned, well, they blessed the food, but where is the food? And George Mueller replied that God supplies. You see, when you are a steward of God, you don't worry about where it comes from. You just worry about who it comes from. And then all of a sudden, before the reporter could hear, there was a bang outside. The milk cart had broken down, and this was the time before refrigeration. And so it was that the milkman perturbed, I can't get to my destination to deliver the milk, and I've got all this milk that's going to spoil. Do you mind if I give you this milk, Mr. Mueller? Every child had milk. Before you know it, the baker was impressed that, uh, that the night before, even before the prayer was made, that he needed to bake bread for the children. And just after the milk arrived, uh, the baker showed up and said, the Lord woke me up at two in the morning and told me, bake some bread for your children. And he brought the bread. And even though they did not have when they started, even though there was a lack, they believed that they were stewards of God. And God supplied all their needs. Why do I tell you this today? I tell you this because we understand that the work of deacon and deaconess is meant to service and to minister to others. But oftentimes it begins with how we live our lives. We tend to, to think service is drawn from what we have and what we possess. But what we've got to understand is service is drawn from the very fact that we serve the living God. 
And if we are going to minister to others, then it can't come from what the church got in their coffers. It can't come from what the food bank is able to offer. It's got to come from a place of believing that he who created this earth is able to provide according to his riches. And so today, I want to challenge you, ordinance, to realize that there is a commitment that you have to serve others, not just because the church elected you, but because every believer in Jesus Christ realizes that God has entrusted them, God has entrusted them to do something with whatever they've got. So I need somebody to know today that if you believe in God, then you are called to service. It doesn't matter if the church elected you or not. Whatever you've got, give it to God. Whatever you've got, let God use it. Though the doctors may say that you are sick, even from your sickbed, you can minister. Even though you may not be able to see, God is able to use you. Even though you may be suffering with, with challenges and difficulties, don't think that God doesn't have some resource that he can put in your hands and allow it to bless somebody else. So I tell you today that when you give God what you've got, then God will give you what he's got. <laughs> and I tell you that my God is the God who holds the cattle on a thousand hills. My God is the God who has the silver and the gold. My God is the God who does not need to see it, but he speaks it, and it will come to pass. So when I give God what I've got, I've got access to what he's got. <laughs> and when I use what he's got, <laughs> I'm able to bless those that are downtrodden. When I use what he's got, then I'm able to help somebody who can't help themselves. Even though I may not be able to help myself, I can help you because I've got connections. Oh, I wish there was somebody who understood what I'm saying today. You see, we've been living defeated. We've been living like life stole something from us. But you've got to realize today that even though your mind can't conceive it, even though sometimes your soul doesn't want to believe it, the very fact that you say that you are a child of the living God, you've got access to what you cannot see, to what you cannot conceive, to what you cannot imagine, but just as long as you move in your weakness, the Bible says he will give you strength. When you move in your sorrow, God will allow you to comfort those that are comfortless. Understand that even though the, 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 the broken man does not have a hope for life, that you in your brokenness can bring hope to the less fortunate. What I'm trying to say today is that the truth and the power of Christian living is not to dwell on what's taken from us, but to who we have access and connection to. And as stewards of the living God, whatever the devil takes, it's only because God allows it. And sometimes, sometimes, I'm going to tell you this and I'm going to sit down. Sometimes, God allows it, not because of any other reason, 
then he's trying to get you to be a good steward. What, what, what do I mean? I mean that we've been squandering all that we have. And for the first time, and maybe the reason, I, I'm just speculating, maybe the reason that the master was so impressed by his unjust steward was the first time he saw him do something selfless. Oh, you're, not, you're not with me. You're not with me. Maybe because for the first time he saw that he had the capacity to look out for others even though he benefited, but it was the first time he looked out for somebody else. What I need you to know today is that whatever God brings in your life, don't think that it's meant to keep you down. Don't think that God meant to take something from you. Maybe he needed to take it so he could add to you. Maybe God needed to empty you of self so he could fill you up with his spirit. Maybe God had to take your pride and your, your, your arrogance so that he can allow the humility to be the conduit for his word to go through you. Sometimes we'll look and see what's happened to us and say, God meant it for my destruction. But like Joseph, I believe that if we stay the course, if we stay the race, that at some point at the end of time, Maybe it's at the end of our life. Maybe we won't even understand it until the sweet by and by. When we realize that what was meant for evil. What was meant for your destruction. What was meant to hurt you. What was meant to handicap you. God would use it to lift you up. God would use it to exhaust you. God would use it so that you might rise above the trials of this world. Understand, he has the resources to give back what the locust has stolen, what the canker worm has stolen. And so as I close, as I close, I'm going to tell you one simple thing. No matter what the devil takes, Give what you've got. No matter how much it hurts, give what you've got. No matter how you feel discouraged and depressed, say, Lord, I don't have the strength today. I'm tired. I'm weak. I'm worn. But Lord, take my hand into your hand. I'm giving you what I've got. And it may not.